Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching! <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download, like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hey, everyone. Before we get to this week's episode, which is our number one most voted for blockbuster Toba special, we've got to tell you about a very exciting announcement. Oh, I'm so excited (laughs) to be able to announce this. What an honour it is. Uh, We're going to be doing some live streams again. It looks like we're going to be allowed back in the same room uh, at the Stupid Old Studio. So we're going to do a special world tour. (gasps) Really? Only all of them are from the Stupid Old Studios in Melbourne. But we're going to do each week at a different in a different time zone around the world and maybe theme it to that. We're not exactly sure, but uh, <laughs> the exact dates and times will be online now. If you look, we haven't uh, got them locked in at the time of recording, but they're going to be on the weekend of the 21st slash 22nd of November, the 28th slash 29th of November, the 5th slash 6th of December, and the 12th slash 13th of December. So Depending on where you are in the world, it'll be either on the Saturday or the Sunday, maybe even on the Friday nights in some occasions. Uh, and, yeah, so wherever you are in the world, there'll be at least 
a couple that will be in waking hours for you, which is exciting. And we'll be awake for all of them. Yeah, we'll be awake for all of them. And if you want to be awake, I mean, any hour can be a waking hour oh, if you point. believe enough. Yeah, yes. that's a very good point. And if you don't believe enough and you prefer to stay in bed, that's totally fair enough because you can catch up later. Yes, if you buy a ticket, you'll have access uh, to watch it at your leisure with no time limits. You could watch it again and again and again and again. Yeah. And, again. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, there's four shows, but if you buy a season pass, you get a bloody good discount. And each episode uh, will have a bone. Like they're basically episodes in two halves. We'll do the first part will be a report, uh, which an edited down version of that will probably go out in the podcast feed. And then there's a whole second episode in there that could be anything. It could be a Q&A session. It could be a quiz or some other game. A rap battle. We'll doing mm-hmm. different things at different times, which will be fun, maybe appropriate to the country where faux broadcasting from <laughs> so yeah i think it's it's going to be a whole lot of fun i can't wait to be in the same room as you two again it's been fucking what has it been it's like over 100 days now wow Why? someone's been counting <laughs> <laughs> and he's not counting down the end of lockdown he's counting down until he can be in the room with us again that's yes. quite flattering that's beautiful <laughs> right if you want to check out those dates and times and buy yourself a ticket that'd be fantastic just uh, check the link in the description of this episode Welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky, and as always, I'm here with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Hello, I'm Jess Perkins. Hello, I'm Matt Stewart. That worked out very nicely. Well done, everybody. So I'm excited to be here. Top, this is the number one day of block. This is like grand final day, and we're also recording this on AFL grand final day. So So we don't know who won. I know. (laughs) <laughs> don't you're tell li- us. You're listening going, oh, these idiots don't even know that Richmond or Geelong won. Well, we know Richmond or Geelong won. Well, don't so... worry. Well, we'll just edit it so it's right. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Richmond uh, won. Um, <laughs> but, yes, this is the number one most requested uh, episode for Blockbuster Toba month of 2020, which if you're not familiar, we've, Matt put out a little poll with about 100 of our most requested ever topics. And uh, we've got thousands and thousands of votes. They've all been tabulated. We've been doing a countdown, really, the last few weeks of uh, the most popular topics, and there's only one left. <gasps> so I'm feeling a bit of pressure on my shoulders to report on this, to be honest. Good, yes. <laughs> and one by quite a margin as well. This one was the leader pretty early in the poll because I was checking every every few days, and it, it held onto the lead for, you know, for the majority of the time. And I'm like... I don't know what the fuck this is. <laughs> so it, it really surprised me that it won the <laughs> won the poll. I don't know what the fuck this is. Yeah, just... I have. I think at some stage we would have discussed what the top five topics were because obviously we've known some of the other ones. I've got no idea today. I've either forgotten or maybe I never knew. All I know is there's a Metallica song called "The Call of the Cthulhu" or "Cthulhu" or however you pronounce that word, and that word is also in this week's topic's name. Ah. Well, let me ask that question possibly to you, Jess, because Matt may remember a bit more because one of her favourite bands doesn't have a song about it. <laughs> that is, which author has books written about him that refer to him as the in their titles as the master of cosmic horror, the master of weird fiction and the master of modern horror? Do you know who I'm talking about, Jess? Absolutely not. <laughs> How did like, I miss this? Well, I, I know it's not, but it feels like it would be Stephen King or Bram Stoker or something. Well, yeah. before Harry Potter, there was another famous HP on the scene. 
HP Lovecraft. That's right. Well done. Yes. Glad that clue actually worked. Well done. I thought it was going to be HP Brown Sauce. Well, before, before Lovecraft, there was the brown sauce. Every few decades, a new HP rises to the surface. <laughs> we're due for a new one, I think. I think we're due for a new HP. Yeah, oh, get in there. So Any the way now? this topic was suggested by multiple people was HP Lovecraft and the Cthulhu uh, mythos or something That's like right. that. So, yeah, the full subject is HP Lovecraft and the Cthulhu mythos. Cthulhu. Because the Metallica song is an instrumental, I, I never knew what the pronunciation uh, was. They didn't help you out there by yeah, right, saying never it say a bunch it. of times. And they also sp- spell it differently. It can't be a coincidence. No. I've, right? uh, at the end of the episode, I will go through many uh, pop culture references to this person oh, which great. makes you oh, and the mythos, which might make you go, oh, actually, I have come across that in my everyday life, even if you don't ah. know it. Because I'm wondering if H.P. Lovecraft, which he has a cult following, especially if people that love horror and stuff. But I'm wondering if everyone voted for him because of that or because they saw the Cthulhu mythos and thought, what the hell is that? That sounds interesting. And then mm. that got extra votes. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, maybe they'll tell us. Maybe they will because the three of us were all very unfamiliar. Like I knew that he was a writer and he wrote horror stuff. That was I knew the one-sentence summary, but I knew nothing about this guy or I've never heard of the mythos before, so I'm going to get through both of those. But first of all, I've got to thank a few people now, and those are the people that suggested over the previous five years that we do this topic. And uh, as all of these blockbuster specials, there's quite a few to get through. So thanks to Jack from Liverpool, Christoph Nouth, Andrew Jerome, Kendra Mickles, Cody Reynolds, Will Hudson, Bernold Esguera, Joshua Roberts, Gabe Hager. Andrew Dolphin, Andreas Mulauer, Ruben Dodd, and Jimmy Rubin. My God, some amazing names amazing. in there. As always. I don't know how they do out. it. How do they do that? Was one of them Jimmy Dolphin? Someone. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Well, there, was, there was Andrew Dolphin and Jimmy Rubin, but they're, uh, they're son. And then another, and Jimmy, then a Ruben, two Rubens. Yeah, Ruben Dodd. What are the odds? Wow. So some fantastic A lot names of people, there. yeah, cool. Now, cards on the table, a bit of a preface here on this episode. Mm-hmm. It will mainly focus on H.P. Lovecraft's life. I will, of course, try to touch on the Cthulhu mythos, but I thought what better way to really get into it and keep Blockbuster Tober alive for another week than to focus next week's episode of Book Cheat on the H.P. Lovecraft story, The Call oh. of Cthulhu. Oh, oh, yes, Dave. And I would love it if I could extend that invitation to both of you, if we could find a time for me to tell oh, you. Oh, that'd be great. Even I was going to say, look forward to listening, oh. but even better if I can just listen from inside You'll the You'll be podcast. in there. <laughs> I'm incredibly busy. Yeah, I know you are. <laughs> so I've got... Um, I've got to lock you in on tape, otherwise you slip got- out of everything. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, that'd be great. Uh, for those of you not familiar, Book Cheat is my spin-off podcast from this show where I take two guests through a book so they can pretend they've read it. So keep an eye out. That will come out uh, Tuesday, six days after this podcast. So really, Blockbuster started at the end of October, sorry, end of September, went through October, went through in November. So w- there'll be six episodes there. Plus we did Action Park as our Patreon bonus episode report this month. Which was, which was the sixth most popular voted topic of block. So, there so was, there's seven block episodes really this year. And, of course, in Primates, I'm doing <laughs> season two of The Umbrella Academy, wow. which in a way is related. Yeah. 
I'm not sure how yet. <laughs> let me think You'll about it. You'll work it out. We'll find a tenuous link. Yeah. <laughs> so let me tell you about H.P. Lovecraft. Howard Phillips Lovecraft. Ah. So what it stands for. Was born at 9 a.m. on August the 20th, 1890. At his... Wow, even down to the time. Yeah, I've given you. You don't know what good. time you were born? Um, I do, but I but don't not... know... What time H.P. Lovecraft? No, I did not know that. And usually I don't look that up when I'm doing a biography or or they don't mention it, you know. So I love that we've already got this detail. I was born at 5 p.m. Thank you for asking. I'm a 4 p.m. baby. Nice. I believe I was. I think I have no idea. uh, 6 a.m. Oh, 6 a.m. Early bird. My brother, when I was growing up, I would wake up on my birthday and be like, it's my birthday. And he'd be like, no, you were born at 5 p.m. It's not your birthday yet. And so I'd go through school like it's not my birthday yet. (laughs) And I'd have to go to bed at seven. I was like, I only got two hours of birthday. Hey, Jess, I didn't realise your brother was a dog. <laughs> Absolute dog. Yeah, that's a, that's rude. <laughs> so he's born at 9 a.m. on August 20th, 1890, at his family home in Providence, Rhode Island. Oh. Not many people come from there. Honestly, if you look up famous people from Rhode Island, he is up there with one of the most famous people that ever come from this state. That is a, there's a, is that a big university town or something? Uh, maybe? Yeah, great. That's all I wanted. I wanted a maybe. <laughs> Could be. Uh, not for this guy. Let me tell you about that a little, bit, a little bit later. But he was the only child of a well-to-do family of distinguished ancestry that really considered itself part of the Providence aristocracy. That's the wrong oh. word. Aristocracy. Aristocracy. Thank you. <laughs> aristocracy. <laughs> Sometimes you see it written down and you're like, I'm going to have a crack here. Um, <laughs> his mother was Sarah Susan Phillips Lovecraft. She could trace her ancestry to the arrival of George Phillips to Massachusetts way back in 1630 when people were coming over from England. So she could trace her her family back a long way and he was quite a famous man in the town. His father, this is HP's father, was Winfield Scott Lovecraft, a travelling salesman. What a... Fun sounding job that is. Yeah, <laughs> traveling salesman. Gotta... It sounds fun. Yeah, briefcase. You got like carpet samples in there or something. Yes, <laughs> that's what they do. <laughs> and then they and then they like they'll put a stain on the carpet and then they'll clean it. They go, hey, how good's that? It's cleanable carpet. You want some? And the answer was always yes. And then yep. he said, uh, well, I've only got three samples. Have you got a really small room or <laughs> a yeah, dollhouse or something? Dollhouse like or that. like a mouse house, something like that. <laughs> That's what I specialize you got a pet in. Mouse? That, you got a pet mouse? that mouse never uh, stayed. Providence, in. Ohio is home to the Ivy League school, Brown University. Uh, so that's over in Ohio. Oh, uh, Providence. Rhode Island. Wait, what is? Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah. Yeah, wait, where were you? I thought that's what you said. Yeah, you said Providence. Rhode Island. But you said Providence, Ohio, didn't you? Oh, did I? I meant Providence, Rhode Island. Brown, <laughs> Brown University. What? Is, I think that's my favourite university name of well, all. Well, it, Brown. It comes Brown. up in this story. Oh, great. Would you believe? Uh, and you're talking about his father having a, having a great job as a travelling salesman. Well, it sounds like he was having a great time out on the road because... Sadly, H.P.'s childhood was marked by tragedy because in 1893, when he was just three years old, his father, Winfield, suffered a nervous breakdown in a hotel room in Chicago. The breakdown was brought on by syphilis. Mm. He's probably having a great time out there on the road. Uh, He was institutionalised at Butler Hospital where he would remain for five years before dying. But after being taken to hospital, H.P. never saw his father again. So he had a huge mental breakdown and um, that was it. Sadly, he never recovered. I don't think I understand syphilis at all. 
Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it really it, it affects your mind if you leave it untreated for a long, long right. time. Right, there you right. go. Right, okay. Dave obviously speaking from experience there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I've had mine treated. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> and you're doing great. Great name, a dad name though, Winfield. Winfield. Yeah, Winfield's great. Well, Winnie? Winnie Blues. I'm about to uh, one-up it here. Oh, here we go. <laughs> With his father gone, HP was raised by his mother. With his two aunts, Lillian and Annie, and his grandfather, who has one of the greatest names I have ever come across. <laughs> okay. His grandfather's name was Whipple Van what? Buren Phillips. Yes. Oh, my God, yes. Whipple. Whipple Van Whipple. Buren Phillips. Whipple. <laughs> I mean, it I can sort only of fades ass- out a bit. It starts so strong and ends in Phillips. But I can only assume... That that's why people voted for this topic because they knew we'd have this moment. Yeah. Whipple. Whipple Van Buren. They, they seem like quite a, a fancy family too, so I doubt they're calling him Whip, you know. Oh, yeah. Or maybe they are. But... They're quite formal, I believe. Yeah. Ew, Whipple. Whipple. <laughs> Ew. You know, a posh sound. Ew. Uh, Whipple? Whipple, pass the chocolate ripple cake, please. <laughs> oh, Make yum. mine a thripple. <laughs> <laughs> So Whipple was a wealthy industrialist who had become a profound influence on the young HP. Whipple was the centre of his universe, essentially, because I'm just going to say his name over and over again because I love it so much. Whipple had a lot of books and the young Lovecraft, who could read from the age of three, would go into his grandfather's library with a candle and secretly start reading at night. What a show off. Oh, yeah. I'm three. I can read. Whatever. I'm 30. I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> well, unlike you, Jess... Uh, he peaked young, so. <laughs> I'm going to peak old. Yeah, that's right. Go for it. Um, so even when he was young, he loved stuff like the Arabian Nights and uh, stories from Greek mythology. In his early years, he also read literature from the 18th and 19th centuries and wanted to be like the people in those stories, a real 18th century gentleman. So, yeah, he was already showing signs of being a weird little boy. <laughs> He also got very into Edgar Allan Poe and other, quote, weird fiction, as it was then known. Okay. And he was fascinated. All of this was fostered by Whipple, who would entertain his grandson with improvised gothic stories. So he's doing a lot of reading at home, but he didn't go to school much because he suffered from frequent illness, most of which was psychological. He learnt more from reading than from traditional school and began writing poetry from the age of seven. He also had a fascination with chemistry and astronomy, so he was a prodigious self-learner. Okay. But sadly, all good things must come to an end. Oh, no. And in 1904, Whipple died. No, not Whipple. Whipple. Not Whipple, they all said. Now, until then, the family had been very well off, lived in a very large house that had a library, for God's sake, but some bad investments and mismanagement just before Whipple's death and also possibly contributing to his demise, meant the family were left in financial difficulty. Oh, no. So they were forced to move out of the family mansion, which, of course, included HP's beloved library, and he was devastated with the loss. It was possible... You do hate to see people have to move out of their mansions. (laughs) Oh, no. It's it's tragic. Oh, and their libraries. Mm. Sadly for uh, young Howard, it was possibly the only happy home he would ever know. Oh, I definitely had sucks. forgotten that his name was Howard too. Yeah, it feels like it's a real step down from the rest of the family. Yeah. Whipple. Whipple, Whipple. Winfield, Howard. Yeah, all Ws. Maybe that was the tradition, but, geez, the – I know Howard doesn't start with a W. It's oh, got a okay, w thank it, God. Yes, yes okay. <laughs> Your face. 
was like, oh, oh no. no. How do I tell him? <laughs> like, but then I was also like, am I wrong? <laughs> Howard got it, yes. I mean, that, they could have given him a great name like Warney or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tribute. Oh, well. Wal- Waldrick. Oh, Waldorf. So new, new name I've made up, I think. Uh, <laughs> I like it. I mean, you could have just done anything. If, if Whipple's accepted, I think anything goes. <laughs> Anything's yeah. on the table. <laughs> yeah. So young Waldrick, or whatever you called him, moved with his mother to a cramped apartment, the opposite of a large house, which he had become accustomed to, and Lovecraft became very depressed. He had a very, very, very strange relationship with his mother, Sarah. Very hot and cold, love-hate. Mm. With the death of her husband and father, she mothered HP incessantly, smothering him. Oh, so she loved him too much. But she also treated him badly, Matt. Okay. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was really hot and cold. So apparently his mother told neighbours that he had a hideous face and that's why he wouldn't go outdoors very much. She oh. also said this to his face, which made the young teen very insecure, as you she can understand. She also said this to his hideous face. <laughs> <laughs> Holding up a mirror saying, look, look at it. I have to. Now you do too. Now, have you seen photos, Dave? Of him? He's a very thin, pale man. And I think he looks great. I mean, great, he's so. away. I don't know. I'm like going, was it justified? <laughs> <laughs> no. Was she right, though? Was either she... way, she probably shouldn't have gone down that path. I'd a say. mother knows. It's not enough to keep him inside. Yeah, okay. But uh, he missed a lot of high school due to more semi-nervous breakdowns and overall had a very, very lonely childhood. A side effect was that he had a very vivid imagination because it was him in the books, him in the writing at all times. Starting in childhood and throughout the rest of his life, HP suffered from terrifying nightmares, some of which would influence his horror stories. Because of this, he suffered from chronic insomnia. Throughout his life, he would stay up all night and sleep into the day, and he would very rarely go outside during the day, leading him to be very, very pale. Mm -hmm. He had a lot of phobias that dominated his life, fear of doctors, fear of the cold among them. NYBooks.com lists some of his many phobias, and some are quite specific. So let me read you a, a, a short... Well, long selection right now. Some of his phobias included invertebrates, marine life in general, temperatures below freezing, fat people, slums, percussion instruments, caves, cellars, old age, monumental architecture, non-Euclidean geometry, deserts, oceans, rats, dogs, the New England countryside, New York City, fungi and moulds, vicious substances, medical experiments, dreams... Brittle textures, the colour grey, plant life of diverse sorts, memory lapses, old books, mists, gases, whistling, whispering, and it says here, quote, the things that did not frighten him would probably make a much shorter list. Wow. See, old books frighten him. Yeah, that's difficult when your grandfather owned a a library, so I imagine he was probably stoked to move to that cramped apartment away from all Mm. those old books. The colour grey. Whistling. Yeah. yeah. The colour grey, especially living in those days. In my head, everything's Everything. grey. It yeah. was all grey. They didn't have colour yet. Duh. Uh, that doesn't come to much later. The 60s. The oh revol- cultural revolution. Everything's in colour. High definition. <laughs> yeah, so he was scared of a lot of stuff. So it's probably not surprising then that in 1908 he suffered from a full-scale nervous breakdown just before high school graduation, meaning that he left school without a diploma and didn't go to Brown's University as he had planned. There it is. He's going to go all the way down to Browntown. Well, I'm afraid he didn't get to Browntown. 
He was stuck in Greyville when she ate it. That's why he wanted to go to brown. He hated grey. <laughs> I love brown. Brown's the one colour that'll trump grey. You know, you mix everything together, what do you get? Brown. Brown, yep, that's right. Wow, that's so true. That's so true, so deep. That's beautiful, Thank Dave. You. Thank you. Deep like the ocean, one of his fears. <laughs> so he, There was a type of geometry he was yeah, scared of. Yeah, non-Euclidean geometry. I have no idea what that means. Me either. Let's look it up. I mean, what, what could that mean? Euclidean geometry? <laughs> yeah, no fear at all. Come on. <laughs> Bring your Euclidean geometry at me and I'll face it any day. But if it's not Euclidean? Euclidean? Geometry? Get it away from Get me. Get the fuck out of here. Get it out of <laughs> here. Out of here. I don't want to see it. I don't like it. <laughs> Is that non Euclidean? <laughs> I'm sorry. I can sense that there's non Euclidean geometry somewhere near me. Uh, so there's three main types of geometry Euclidean, spherical, and hyperbolic. These are. Oh. Yeah. So, so two of the three he's not into. Yeah, so he, Euclidean geometry is the mathematical system attributed to Ale- Alexandrian Greek mathematician Euclid. Okay. So there you go. One of the greats. Interesting. So one of three. He only likes one third of geometry. It, hmm. Yeah, it really does sound like just day-to-day life would be very Brutal. difficult. Yeah. And so uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, jokes aside, this sounds like it would suck. Yeah, big time. Oh, yeah. And uh, now he's missed out on graduating from high school because of his health. He didn't go to university and he felt deep shame in this failure because he was a very, very smelt. Uh, smelt. <laughs> he smelled great. No, he was a very, very smart but self-taught man. He just didn't have the ability to function in regular institutions. Yeah. So, yeah, very intelligent, just not cut out to, you know, study in the school way. Which a lot of people aren't, right? Mm. It's Absolutely. a weird school system is still a weird thing. I'd never thought about it at school, but now it's like, oh, this is strange. It's it's a whole system built for one kind of kid. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're not, then bad luck. Uh, I mean, there's two types of kids. There's also sporty, so <laughs> well, that's true. Which I was, so <laughs> you couldn't pick up a tennis racket. Oh no, that's a pencil, please. <laughs> uh, do you think I'll ever be a professional athlete? No, Dave, you won't. Oh, wait, is chess a sport? Yeah. Then, yep. <laughs> oh, that's Dave, annoying. you can't even push pencils, let alone, like, kick a ball. I oh, know, it sucks. I'm not, not sporty enough for sport and I'm too dumb for chess. I mean, what have I got left? You're right, <laughs> school you sucks. <laughs> I think all that's in your future, mate, is podcasting. Oh, no. Okay? I know. I'm sorry. Podcasting. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news. And even more tragically, non-Euclidean geometry. Oh. Oh, God. I mean, what's the point? The third best type. I mean, it only just makes the top three. What is uh, hyperbolic geometry sounds interesting. Sounds fun. Spherical sounds nice. I like round things. Mm, let's go with that one. That's in the top three. Yeah. yeah Favourite shape? Mine's circle. Oh, <laughs> uh, pentagon. Oh, yeah, right. The devil one, is it? <laughs> yeah. That's a pentagram. Oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Pentagon's really sure. where the defence base is in America. Yeah, that's right. Also housing the devil, some could argue. <laughs> Jess, favourite shape, I mean? I'm thinking maybe like a square. Yeah, that makes like sense. Like a nice and even. Oh, no. You know? Shut up. <laughs> Don't ask me a question and then criticise my answer. I, I answered from the heart, No, squares okay? are great. It's a great shape. It's one of the classics. I'd put that up in the on my um, uh, bloody... What's the cliff face with the four president faces? 
Mount Rushmore. Oh. I'd, I'd have that Rushmore. on my Mount Rushmore. So your Mount Rushmore shapes. would be a circle, a square. What else? We've got a triangle, maybe. Triangle. <laughs> triangle. And uh, yeah, well, they're then, the big, they're the big three. Well, then uh, where, where do you go from there? Maybe probably, I'd say rectangle is the Tom, next most basic. Maybe Thomas Jefferson's face. Oh yeah, very angular. <laughs> yeah, that makes the most sense. <laughs> Oblong. It's fun to say. <laughs> that is fun to say. Mm. Oblong. Oblong. So feeling more shame, he became a recluse for the next five years and found himself alone at home and developed an unhealthily close relationship with his mother. Even the official HP Lovecraft website describes their relationship at the time as, quote, a pathological love-hate relationship. Oh, it doesn't sound good. No, not a good time. It started good when you said love. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm listening. Oh, hate. That's bad. (laughs) Oh, dear. Pathological doesn't sound good either, but I don't fully know. I was going to say. Pathological is never followed, never said in a positive way. Yeah, bring it back as a positive word. Yeah, come on. Okay. Dave, can you use it in a positive sentence? Yeah. Um, happy pathological birthday. Okay. So it means uh, of or relating to pathology. Mm. Relating to or caused by disease. Okay. Involving or caused by a physical or mental disease. Look, is there positive diseases? Not Really? What about that goose who laid golden eggs? That was probably some sort of disease. <laughs> mm. Yes, I think you're. I think you spot on. Yeah. And that was pretty good. I mean, not for the goose. That would have been awfully painful. But I mean, gold is sort of oh, malleable, isn't that's it? That's true. <clears throat> gold is malleable. Yeah, when it's what? heated to a temperature. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so I reckon. How hot's the goose? <laughs> well, I think this goose's cloaca will have it to a nice temperature. <laughs> it's a molten cloaca. <laughs> molten cloaca. <laughs> That's a cool band, Molten Cloaca. <laughs> I like it. What do you reckon? Yeah, it's on the list for sure. Oh, we forgot to explain for new listeners that we will be annoying at parts by forgetting what the topic was. And I think oh, yeah. we might be in one of those spots right now. So apologies for that. <laughs> Dave, oh, please do that. go on. Um, so not much is known about his t- about his life during this five years where he's a recluse at home alone with mum. But f- quoting from a university paper written about him, quote, we know that on his 21st birthday in 1911, he rode the trolleys all day. But aside from this, this period is largely blank, end quote. So not a lot happening okay. for HP. You- so no big 21st birthday party, oh. bunch of speeches from friends. Made to drink um, a yard glass of beer. Yeah, got, got given a, a symbolic key. Um, but he just rode the trolleys that day. Yeah, Are symbolically. You, you guys picture in shopping trolleys? Because I, I realised after a second that it means trams, right? Tram. Mm. Mm-hmm. Riding the trolleys. Because I used to be a trolley pusher, so I used to ride the trolleys in a way. <laughs> or did they ride you? Ugh, riding trolleys days. or hardly riding. <laughs> that doesn't work in any way. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> One thing we do know that he did during this time was continue to read. He read popular magazines all day long. Full of pulp fiction, Lovecraft Lovecraft found that he hated the romance stories that were written, especially a story in the Argos, which is one of these magazines, by a writer named Fred Jackson. He disliked it so much that he had to do something about it. He wrote a letter to the editor. Oh, no. Oh, no. no. The point of no return. But not just any letter. He wrote it in rhyming verse. (laughs) There once was a man from Nantucket. (laughs) You can take your paper and... (laughs) (laughs) Well, it caught the attention of the editor who decided to publish it in the next edition. 
Other writers came to Jackson's defence and their back and forth with Lovecraft was again published in the magazine, Lovecraft always writing in couplets, taking the piss out of the others. (laughs) Strangely enough, this ended up being a pivotal point in Lovecraft's life because the controversy caught the attention of Edward F. Das. Das was the president of the United Amateur Press Association, of course you know as the UAPA, which is a group of amateur writers from around the country who wrote and published their own magazines. Das was impressed by Lovecraft's poetic takedown of Jackson and invited the young writer to join the UAPA, which he did so in 1914. Hmm. Lovecraft was forever grateful for the invitation that almost certainly saved him from wasting away as an unknown recluse. He was given a lifeline and an outlet and he took it with both hands. He later wrote, Quote, in 1914, when the kindly hand of amateurdom was first extended to me, I was as close to the state of vegetation as any animal well can be, <laughs> end quote. So he wasn't doing very much, but just because he was so annoyed at this letter, they asked him if he'd like to write his own stuff. Cool. So he published 13 issues of his own paper called The Conservative and contributed writing and poetry to other journals. He even later became the president and official editor of the UAPA himself. Okay. Early on, I thought that was a big twist. He later on became the president of the United States. (laughs) (laughs) And I will not be talking about that any further. I mean, I don't want to bore you with that period of his life. It was only four years. It was only a one-term wonder. (laughs) It was during this period that he began writing fiction since the first time uh, since his teen years. He allowed the stories he'd written as a teen to be published and he'd actually received great feedback for them and decided to, oh, maybe I'll have a crack at that again. So he wrote two stories, The Tomb and Dagon in 1917. Dagon was the first short story that would later be seen to embrace the concepts and themes that his writing would be known for, the so-called Cthulhu mythos. Hmm. But at this point in his life, fiction wasn't his main creative outlet. He regarded himself as more of a poet and an essayist. Uh, this period of his life also kickstarted something that he would later keep up for the rest of his life, letter writing. He wrote letters to associates and friends, and it's estimated that by his death he had written 100,000 letters. Whoa. Some of them up to 70 pages in length. Oh, God. You, you know, if you get a letter from him, you'd really have to, like, set aside a weekend for it. Oh, no, I imagine. Oh, here we go. Got another letter from HP. All right, honey, I'll be in the... <laughs> In the reading room, um, I'll be taking my meals in there. Thank you. <laughs> he has to send it in like a like a five kilo bag just to get all the pages in. <laughs> so if he wrote a hundred thousand letters between this point in his life and his death, that averages to be over thirteen letters per day, every day for the rest of what? his life. Wow! He is actually known as one of the most prolific letter writers in all of history. It's said that only Voltaire, the French philosopher and writer, wrote more letters than him. Who's honestly in the top two letter writers ever. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? That's mad. It became his... But I suppose they didn't have MySpace, did they? No. So what are you supposed to do all day? Exactly. But it didn't have a Nintendo Switch, did he? No, but, so... he, but he did have a Wii. So <laughs> That's pretty sick. Actually, it's cool, yeah. but it's not as good. Yeah. He wrote in uh, 1917 at the age of 27, speaking about how letters really became his main form of communication. He said, as to letters... My case is peculiar. I write such things exactly as easily and as rapidly as I would utter the same topics in conversation. 
Indeed, epistolary expression is with me largely replacing conversation as my condition of nervous prostration becomes more and more acute. I cannot bear to talk much now and am becoming as silent as the spectator himself. My loquacity extends itself on paper. Okay, so, I knew, I knew, reckon I knew every third word you just yeah, said. Yeah, be about the same. So imagine yeah. that for 70 pages. Basically, he's saying there. Obviously, I know loquacity, yeah, loquacity but some is of the one others of the lost three, me. I knew. <laughs> so, basically, what he's saying there is uh, he found writing these letters easier than actually talking to people face to face. Yeah, okay. Yep. He'd get nervous, he'd get tongue tied, but in a letter, he could let it fly. So, that's basically what he did. You know, you do hear a lot of, it's usually older people saying, like, you know, we're. We're talking more now, but we're not communicating, mm. you know, because we are spending more time on MySpace, texting or on MySpace <laughs> or communicating in different ways. But for a lot of people, that's a really good thing because they do find it hard to express themselves in person. Some people need to like think about what they want to say more and process it and then put it to paper or something. So, yeah, okay, it's a, it's a different way of communicating, but for some people it's a better way. So I get that. I get what he's saying there about it's hard to talk, but he finds he can express himself better in in his letters, but still too many letters. Yeah. Like some people just find it easy to express themselves by learning the code to change the background of their MySpace profile to be Mm. turquoise, for example. Exactly And that says more than words ever could. Algorithms. That's my mm. language. Yeah. (laughs) Mine is is manipulation through changing my top friends. Ah, great. Playing people off against each other. Exactly. What do you mean? I used to be number one, now I'm number three. Well, <laughs> you know what you did. Yeah, that's how I like to communicate. Love that. Get in there on the Messenger app and just really go on. <laughs> he would have been a nightmare on MSN. My God, he'd never be off. Yeah, he'd be like, honestly, I've got to go to bed. And he's like, but my loquacity knows no bounds. <laughs> All right. Oh, no. Uh... <laughs> Poor old HP. This is things were starting to make sense. In 1919, his mother, who had never been in a great headspace, had herself a mental breakdown, like her husband before her, and she too was admitted to Butler Hospital. HP realised after a month that also, like her husband, she was never coming home. He became depressed and suicidal. But despite this, in 1920, so she's gone off to the hospital and uh, you'll never see her again, basically, he continued writing and at an amateur writing convention, he met his closest confidant, Frank Belknap Long a man who would be really influential in his writing career, which in 1920 was quite prolific, publishing stories that would fit into the Cthulhu mythos. 1921, his mother did die and uh, her son was devastated by the loss. Mm. They've thrown around mental breakdown a lot and I'm wondering what that would be today. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like what's, I feel like back then they didn't really have any kind of understanding of a lot of medical things, so it was... Oh, yeah, always weirdly managed. I'm wondering, yeah, just saying, ah, oh, mental breakdown. Mm. Yeah, that's okay. What does that mean? Well, I think his father's one was major. I think that he sort of uh, lashed out, had a bit of an incident at this hotel and then I think he became uh, pretty non-communicative after that. Mm. Yeah, wow. And then, yeah, that's when HP didn't see him anymore. But very tragic that both your mother and father have been taken yeah. away and to die in these hospitals. Really, really awful. Really sad. So he was very devastated. A few weeks later, he managed to drag himself to a journalism convention in Boston and this is where he met a woman, Sonia Haft-Green, who was seven years his senior. 
How many years? That's all right. Seven. Seven years okay. of senior. The two married in uh, 1924, which was no surprise to their friends, but it completely took HP's aunts off guard. They only found about it later after the ceremony when they were informed by a letter. And they weren't too happy about it either. They did not like his wife, possibly because she was Jewish and Russian. Funnily that they weren't invited to the wedding then, huh? Yeah. But they were very... <laughs> How dare you not invite me to this wedding that I disapprove of? Yeah, that's right. I wouldn't have approved. Uh, How dare you? I would have been a real pain in the ass to be there. Yeah. I would have certainly objected if given the option. Yeah. Oh, and I'm a nightmare for catering. My goodness. <laughs> you know, my diet. Oh, my God. And I'm fussy. Oh, so fussy. I, no, fussy. I only eat crab. <laughs> and my levaciousness knows no bound or something like that. Curvaciousness. My curvaciousness. Eating a lot of crab. <laughs> so he got married. Uh, he might have been called Lovecraft by name, but he certainly wasn't Lovecraft by nature. <laughs> you focusing on the love or the craft part? Yeah. <laughs> Was he not good at knitting? Oh, no, he's okay at knitting, but he's not good at loving. Oh, dear. He was, uh, by all accounts, a virgin on his wedding night, and there was an article on H.P. Lovecraft's sex life or lack thereof on his website written by R. Elaine Everts. It's quite pervy, and if you want to delve into his difficulty in achieving orgasm, I will link it into the description, but I will not be quoting from it here. Why why does that exist? Why would you put this little tease in there of his difficulties (laughs) to orgasm? Because I thought thought it was funny that there's an article about it, but then I was also like... (laughs) That is a bit weird. Wait, is it like like his estate's website? Is it like an official website? Or just a fan, like a... Why? I mean, why is that relevant? Why what a weird. It? Yeah, it's on hblovecraft.com. I wouldn't have thought it'd be that strange for people to be virgins on their wedding nights in the 19, early 1900s either, would it? No, I don't think so. Was, was, because uh, that, like, not, you know, being, having kids before wedlock was like a no no around then, wasn't it? Through pretty much yeah, through sure. most of the that... 1900s, really. In, sorry, in Christian societies. Mm. Uh, basically, he's been described as a Victorian prude when it came to sex and sexual relations. He didn't like talking about sex or any talk of such a subject when spoken of by friends. And his wife later said the very mention of the word sex seemed to upset him. Well, I'm glad. I reckon he'd be stoked that there's a, a page on his website dedicated <laughs> to it then. <laughs> but credit where credit's due, when he got married, he did as he always did and he read up on the subject so he could perform on their wedding night. So good on him. He did his research. Yeah. Did his oh, research. That's good. Yeah. Uh, he moved into a Brooklyn apartment where she was the real breadwinner running a very successful hat shop on Fifth Avenue. Early on in the relationship, she was quite wealthy. So Lovecraft kept writing and was happy to have some of his stories published in the popular pulp magazine Weird Tales in 1923. He also had a crossover with one of our previous report topics, Harry Houdini. Oh, yeah. He ghost wrote a column written by Houdini and he then wrote a, a story called Under the Pyramids for Harry Houdini. HP kept writing for the famous magician and they even formed a friendship but their collaborations were cut short when Houdini suddenly died in 1926. Still, I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. So that's the second crossover because he was reading uh, Old Mate the Raven Guy when he was Oh, that's right, well. Edgar Allan Poe, which earlier this year I did a report on. Mm. Very influenced by Poe. So he, had a, he was going okay for a while, but sadly this period of happiness again couldn't last. No. Only 10 months, in fact, because Sonia's hat shop soon went bankrupt and she was hospitalised with illness. 
Lovecraft tried to find work to support his wife, but few were willing to hire a 34-year-old man who'd never had a job before. He had no experience. How is it? I mean, maybe it's just a, the, a sign of the times, but how unlucky has he been with close yeah. people being taken away to hospital? Yeah, really bad. He's having a, he's having a shocker, some would yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> having a real mare. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, on January 1st, 1925, Sonia went to Cleveland to take up a job and Lovecraft moved into a single-room apartment near the seedy Brooklyn area called Red Hook. He found himself isolated, alone, and to his horror, surrounded by foreigners. Now, H.P. Lovecraft is famous for his horror stories, but he's also increasingly famous for his horrific views on race. He was, in no uncertain terms, a massive racist. There's problematic. One of his phobias, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. Well, there's problematic, and then there's H.P. Lovecraft. Like it's it's Shit. it's blatant, uh, indefensible. Wow. Uh, the Atlantic writes, the xenophobia and white supremacy that burble beneath his fiction, which may have gone unnoticed had he remained anonymous, are starting are startlingly explicit in his letters. Unquote. Okay. So you may not get too much of it in the stories, the horror stories that he that he goes on to be famous for, but in his letters he's very explicit. Wow. And his aunties he, uh, sounded like they were even more racist. Yeah, they were similar. He was he was just brought up in a very racist environment, was he? Yeah, so he, he's been described as despising, quote, people who weren't white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, and I believe that's what his aunts also held, held those views. That is pretty specific. And it mm. also includes his, his wife is outside of that. Yeah. Yes, and some people say stuff like, oh, he can't have been that racist. He married a Jewish lady, but he was pretty uh, does, anti-Semitic in the letters. That does not rule you. out racism, <laughs> who you marry I know. Yeah, I'm just trying to, yeah, some people who obviously really like him and want to defend him for some. Honestly, some know, of but, my best friends are dot, 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 is a great, yeah. obviously <laughs> a great defense. And it's used very well often. But So I can say that incredibly offensive thing I just said. And I don't have to take any feedback on it. I'm actually one sixteenth Swiss Italian, so <laughs> that's where that joke sort of comes from. Anyway, yeah, it's always fun to explain explain your long running jokes. <laughs> A little peek behind the curtain there, and I I personally never got it. Apart so from thank the you. fact <laughs> I am li- I am literally one eighth Swiss Italian as well, but you know. But you water it down for comedic effect, which I appreciate. <laughs> so. I don't want to repeat word for word too many of his views here because, honestly, they are vile. But he wrote of, he hated everyone. He wrote of undesirable Latins, low-grade Southern Italians and Portuguese people, the plague of French Canadians that were coming in. He hated Chinatown, its inhabitants, very anti-Semitic, very anti-black people. In summary, he wrote, in general, America has made a fine mess of its population and will pay for it in tears amidst a premature rottenness unless something is done extremely soon. Wow. Yeah, he hates everyone. Yeah, except white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. Yes, of course. But, I mean, he comes from a good standpoint to have these views as a recluse who never interacts with anybody. So, obviously, (laughs) these are well-researched standpoints and viewpoints. Yeah. I hate Chinatown. I've never been there, but I assume I'd hate it. I hate it. I hate that it exists out there somewhere. Not sure where. I've never looked it up, but I've heard of it, and I hate that. Yeah, it was very much like that. But as, and as time as time goes by, these views are something that fans are having to deal with. So we'll discuss that more at the end of the podcast. As a white Anglo-Saxon, Protestant. I reckon white Anglo Protestants. Am I Protestant? No, no. <laughs> but as a white Anglo-Saxon, do you have to check? 
Um, I reckon white Anglo-Saxons might be one of my least favourite. Oh. Just from that, just, just well, saying. Well, there you go. I mean, that's the same thing. You're just still, you're still being racist. Well, yeah. Yeah, oh, it's okay best... because I'm white Anglo-Saxon. Yeah, great. Here we yeah, go. Yeah, great. Some some of my best podcast co-hosts are racist, so I'm allowed. I'm allowed Sorry about that. So, yeah. yeah. So I had to cover that period of his life because it's it's bloody awful stuff. I got to tell you. Yeah, you got to mention it, but you don't want to quote. Yeah, I don't want to quote much. too much because yeah, it's fair. I think yeah. Okay, I, we have had feedback in the past that we dwell too much on the negatives of people from the olden days, but I feel like you got to you got to mention it. if you know about it, you got to mention it. Yeah, I absolutely. Think even he, even for his day, he was. Oh, sorry, well I don't. I, I shouldn't say olden day. You know, like um, just anyone from any time. But you know, things yeah, that, sure, no. Yeah. Because he was one of these people that he loved the 18th and 19th century, he basically held views that were even then well outdated. Right. Yeah, fascinating uh, and terrible. Yes, but back to the life that this racist was living, it wasn't going well. He was oh. stuck in his single room in Red Hook. He was split from his wife and he had no money. His two aunts offered him a lifeline in 1929 when they offered to move him back to his town of Providence. But the catch was he had to move back alone. They did not welcome his wife. <laughs> this is the quote. The family. He's going to do it. <laughs> He's going to do it. Because you sort of go, well, that's dumb and a bit of a no-brainer. Well, no, obviously I want to live with my wife. He's going to do it, I think. Well, quote, the family's social standing in spite of their poverty was too precious to be tainted by a tradeswoman wife, end quote. So they also didn't like that she had a successful trade qualification. What? She was, She's running a really successful yeah. business. Isn't it funny how things have changed like that? Like the thing you'd be proud of there are either the people who are born into wealth who mismanaged it and have fallen out of wealth or the person who worked their way up to a, to be a successful business person. Yeah, by being good at something. Well, it does sound like she also, that business also failed, right? But still, uh, yeah, it's funny how yes, I it, think, it's, I, And I think it did fail because she got quite sick as well. I think that was right. a big part yeah, of yeah, it, yeah. yeah. Which I probably wasn't that clear about, but yeah. Not a bad, not a bad reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they gave him this lifeline and he accepted the offer and yep. uh, basically never saw his wife again. They divorced. Get fucked. What do you mean? So he would write letters during this period professing his love for her, but then the aunts came out and said, hey, want to live with us again? Just uh, drop the old ball the and misses. chain and uh, we'll, uh, we'll... So she'd moved to a different city. Where'd she move she to? She moved to a Cleveland, I think. Yeah, right. And so they were already kind of separate, but it certainly sounded like they were still a married couple just living in different places for a while. Mm. And then he just goes to lives with his aunts who say she can't come. That's so weird. No. Uh, different time. I remember <laughs> yeah, this in we... a pre-COVID world. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Okay. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So he's, he's back in Providence, Rhode Island, and if you don't know where that is, just imagine a famous state like North Carolina and it's kind of north of there, kind of like North, North Carolina. I mean, I, I could say it's near Boston, but I think this makes more sense to the listeners. And there it is, the fifth block episode. Every Fuck week we refer to North Carolina. They said I couldn't do it, but I did it. So I, oh, North Carolina. You really that, shoehorned it uh, in. That reminds me of a fact um, about North Carolina. <laughs> Michael Jordan, one of the most famous basketballers of all time, won uh, the championship in his final six seasons in the NBA until he came back and played for the Washington Wizards. But forget about that. Anyway, uh, he played for North Carolina uh, University and uh, he found his shorts to be lucky. So he wore them under his Chicago Bulls shorts in the NBA and had to wear bigger red Chicago Bulls shorts to cover his blue Mm. North Carolina shorts, and that sort of that sparked a bit of a trend because he came, he became like the goat. Um, so everyone else wore bigger, baggier basketball shorts, and that's why basketball shorts are baggy these days. That's a bit of a fun wow, fact. I, I did not know that. Yeah, super interesting. Um, also, a, a good drink break. So thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so he's back in his home city, and it was during this time that Lovecraft wrote most of the work that would later be referred to as the Cthulhu Mythos. He didn't coin this term, it was only after his death that it was applied, but essentially the Cthulhu mythos is a shared fictional universe. The name Cthulhu derives from the central character, the creature I should say, in Lovecraft's seminal short story, The Call of Cthulhu, first published in the pulp magazine Weird Tales in 1928. This is the story that we will cover on the next episode of Book Cheat. Okay, cool. So I look forward to that. And just a note on the pronunciation of the name Cthulhu here. In a 1934 letter to amateur writer Dwayne W. Rimmel, great name, Lovecraft explained how to pronounce the name of his alien creation. He said, The name of the hellish entity was invented by beings whose vocal organs were not like man's. Hence, it has no relation to the human speech equipment. The syllables were determined by a physiological equipment wholly unlike ours. Hence could never be uttered perfectly by human throats, end quote. Wow. I love it. So it means even if you or someone else pronounces it differently to me, I'm off the hook, baby. I'm not wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's foolproof. 
It's foolproof. We, we're just not built to be able we to can't say, say it. it. Even the way you say it might be slightly more correct, but you can never be 100% correct, so please don't at me. I'm so sorry that I'm human. Yeah, that's right. Sorry that I'm not a monster. If you can say it right, well, I don't want to know you. I don't want to be anywhere near you, thanks very much, monster. Yeah. So I'm just a humble human being. Is it yes. possible that the way I have always said it is also kind of right then? Could be. Yeah. I just, how, yep. do you, how do you say it, man? Cthulhu. I actually uh, have heard people say it that way. and I'm going to have a go. Here we go. Grapefruit. Oh, <laughs> oh that's God. actually what I was trying to do, but I couldn't get my <laughs> mouth or human throat to make that sound. <laughs> Cthulhu. We're not all alien linguists mm, like true. me. Well done. That's amazing. I've never heard that Thank sound you. come from a human throat before. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a fictional universe encompassing the shared elements characters, settings and themes of Lovecraft that really took off in 1928. I had to search high and low for an overall definition that a newbie could understand. Uh, This is the best I could find. It was written on the Lovecraft fandom page. The little summary. The mythos usually takes place in fictional New England towns and is centred on the Great Old Ones, a fearsome assortment of ancient, powerful deities who came from outer space and once ruled the Earth. They are presently quiescent, having fallen into a death-like sleep at some time in the distant past. Hmm. So, yeah, it's set on Earth and uh, it's so it's our world, but there are these uh, old monster-type things, if you like. Who've been sleeping. Do they wake yes, up so- in the books? Sometimes. <laughs> oh, no. That's oh, just to get g- interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and just to give you an example of one of these deities, the most famous but not the most powerful Cthulhu is described as a massive hybrid of human, octopus, and dragon. It's usually depicted as being hundreds of metres tall with webbed arms, tentacles, and a pair of rudimentary wings on his back. Hmm. Yeah. You reckon people would have noticed that thing sleeping? Oh, it's under the ocean. Oh. (laughs) It's not just like... Lying on a main road. Not just in in Fitzroy. (laughs) It's blocking a highway, actually. It's very inconvenient. We'd never know what that was. <laughs> it actually fell asleep on a mini golf course and people just thought it was one of the displays. Yeah. So it's like it'll wake up and it'll just cough out all these yeah. golf balls. It's like, yeah, I hit, it in its, <laughs> I hit it in its mouth. I was expecting it to come out the ass, but it still hasn't. The essence in the mythos is that the human world and our role in it are an illusion. Humanity is living inside a fragile bubble of perception, unaware of what lies behind the curtains or even of the curtains themselves. And our seeming dominance over the world is illusionary and ephemeral. We are blessed in that we do not realise what lies dormant in the unknown lurking places on earth and beyond. Yeah, and that's sort of where the the horror comes from in in the stories. Is it, do you think... Do you think it's scary, like by modern standards? Yeah, I think people say that they're terrifying, yeah. yeah. Right. And it's terrifying in a different way in terms of it's not like, oh, there's a werewolf and uh, you can go get it. It's more like uh, the, the, the horror comes from the fact that um, humans don't matter and we've never mattered <laughs> and we're not like mm. the main characters in this story. We're just, we, you know, there's no good guy coming to save the day. Right. It's just bleak, bleak stuff. So to quote from director Guillermo del Toro, who was a big Lovecraft fan, he's got a lot of uh, celebrity uh, enthusiasts, Hmm. Guillermo describes it as things much older than us are gazing upon us with indifference and cruelty. Hmm. So that's what these gods do, yeah. Indifference and cruelty. Feels like they kind of... Yeah, if you're indifferent, 
Yeah. Are you going to be cruel as mm. well? Answer that, Guillermo. Yeah. I'll email Guillermo. him. I'll email Thank him. you. Thank you. Could you email him in rhyming couplets? <laughs> yeah, that'll get his attention. <laughs> so Lovecraft himself described it as all my tales are based on the fundamental premise that common human laws and interests and emotions have no validity or significance in the vast cosmos at large, which is not surprising mm. for a man who obviously didn't fit into our society. Mm. Yeah. You can be indifferent and cruel to someone. Yeah. I take it all back. In a lot of ways, sometimes indifference yeah. can be cruel. Dave, can you scrap that email? I know you've already halfway through it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Oh, don't worry. I've just hit send, but I can do the cancel undo <laughs> oh, button goodness. on Gmail. Yeah, Love that feature. Perfect. Great feature. Love that. Thank goodness. Thank, thank yeah, you. Yeah, it seems like um, Lovecraft is really operating on a different level and because he is sort of a recluse and he spends so much time by himself, he feels like an observer of humans. And I think it sounds like he's trying to kind of figure it out in a very critical way. It's really interesting. Yeah, he's certainly a, a different perspective. Yeah. He would say, I could not write about ordinary people because I am not in the least bit interested in them. And so he wrote about the bizarre, cannibalism, reanimation, self-immolation, murder, madness-inducing meteors, human-fish hybrids, aliens, and much, much more. Wow. So he created dozens of weird and malevolent creatures in his writings like the Cthulhu, and during his life he actually encouraged many of his writer friends to create their own stories within the fictional universe. So other people contributed to it as well. It was expanded upon by his pals at the time and continues actually to be expanded upon uh, after his death. So that's my vague definition. Um, I'm, again, cards on the table, not a huge Lovecraft fan, so I don't know too much about it before doing any of this research, but I uh, hope we'll get a better feel for it when we cover Call of Cthulhu on Bookchip. When you say you, you mm-hmm. haven't been a huge fan, were you, did you know much about him before and you just weren't into it or you just never really came across it? his stuff that much? Uh, I never really came across his stuff and I just don't really have a big interest in horror in general. Right. Yeah. But maybe this will change my life. It's a, and actually I just realised how perfectly time this is because this is Halloween week as well. No. It is. Halloween's on Saturday. Well, I did that on purpose. <laughs> Happy Halloween. God, you are good, Dave. Well, I mean, you didn't even choose do to it? do it, Dave. I know. The Patreon How and are you even taking now, your I- claiming the... Uh, what was a popular vote, you're claiming the result somehow had anything to do with you. I rigged it. Yes. I rigged it. And so. well done, Dave. <laughs> Thank you. Hooray for Dave. I mean, H.P. Lovecraft was never going to be number one, Matt. I made that I happen. was surprised. <laughs> I'm like, I really I know, we all I <laughs> heard of it more, whatever came at number one. Ted Bundy, I was not surprised, was a popular vote. O.J. Yeah. Simpson trial, another big thing. Robin Williams, Donna I was a party. bit surprised because biographies... Mm. Uh, don't usually get right up there. Uh, what was the other one we did? Oh, and the Donna Party, I knew that was, yeah. This one's been the most surprising of all five, I reckon. Probably up there with Robert Williams. So it makes mm. sense that you rigged it, Dave. You rigged it yeah, so that yeah, you would right. do a topic that you were indifferent to until right now. For Halloween. Yeah. I'm that good. <laughs> So that's Cthulhu. We'll get back to that on the, the book cheat episodes to keep your eyes peeled for that. But conversing with his friends over letters meant in his later part of life he was less lonely after returning to Providence. Mm. He had found his niche as a New England writer of weird fiction and a man of letters. He also helped to nurture the careers of young writers and became a sort of oracle to these other amateur writers. His close friends, many of whom ha- uh, would find success in writing, included Robert Block, who in 1959 Robert wrote Psych. Blocktober. 
Come on. <laughs> Robin Block. Bob Blocks. <laughs> Bobby Blocks got to be Bo- our new patron saint of Block for Grace. Robbie Block. Well, you'll know what, uh, some of his writing because in 1959 he wrote Psycho, which would be the basis of the ah. Alfred Hitchcock film. Starring Anthony Perkins. Oh. What? Is that your dad? Yes, my dad. <laughs> Daddy. Daddy. Daddy Anthony Perkins. Wow. That's cool. Oh, Dave, we're just talking about rigging it. We never mentioned this on the podcast. And in case anyone isn't getting that Dave's making a weird joke, he didn't rig it. He had no way to do that. But someone tried no, to. Someone voted for one topic. <laughs> and, uh, like, because uh, I can see in the back end of our voting software when people, the same person votes over and over again, someone mm. just sat at their computer and every three or so minutes for hours at a time voted for the same topic. Wild. And um, I do not apologise. So, <laughs> But it wasn't this topic. I Actually, I mean, I was thinking, I reckon there's something fishy with H.P. Lovecraft. How could it be so popular? But I'm just realising now that it is a, he's a very popular thing. I mean, even Metallica wrote songs about him. But, um, yeah. Do you think Kirk or Kurt rigged the Kurt? vote? Uh, yeah, I reckon. <laughs> I couldn't remember. Kirk might have got involved. Kirk Van Houten. <laughs> Can I borrow a feeling? So good. So, yeah, there's Robert Block who wrote Psycho. He would later be the recipient of a Hugo Award, a Bram Stoker Award, and a World Fantasy Award. Another one of Lovecraft's friends and a mentee of his was Fritz Lieber, who was now considered one of the fathers of sword and sorcery fantasy, having even coined the, t- the term sword and sorcery himself. Oh, there you go. that well-known term. Yeah, term we all know. I mean, you've heard and of like, sword and sorcery as a, as a concept, right? I've of heard of yes. um, sword and HP sorcery. <laughs> brown sauce. <gasps> do you think brown sauce is from Brown University? That is the only possible Holy shit. What do you get when you mix? mix <laughs> HP Lovecraft. Sean Connery, is that you? <laughs> what you? Sean Connery obviously famously what discovered brown sauce. Oh, HP Lovecraft. I love brown sauce. <laughs> and brown university. <laughs> HP sauce. <laughs> HP Sword and Sorcery. I was now available at Coles. (laughs) I graduated at the top of my class. (laughs) Uh, There was also his friend Robert E. Howard who created Conan the Barbarian. Ah, Ah. That whole crew going on. Yeah, whole crew. And then finally rounding them out was uh, he was very close to Donald Wandre and August Derleth, two writers who would go on to be instrumental in spreading the word of Lovecraft. So not as famous for their own creations, but they really, really helped HP out. Cool. Uh, Conan the Barbarian, of course, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, another previous topic. Yes. His big break. So they really spread the word of Lovecraft, and I say that because all good things must come to an end. Oh, no. In 1932, his beloved aunt Lillian died. I thought you said all good things must come to an end. Yeah. Well, we're, we're working up to something here. Um, Aunt Lillian died. He was devastated by that. His later stories became increasingly lengthy and complex and they became difficult to sell. He was also known to give up trying to sell a story after after it had been rejected once. So he didn't really... Oh, wow. You know, even J.K. Rowling has dozens and dozens of rejection letters to her name. But if someone said no, he'd go, you're right, it does suck, and then put it away. He's a perfectionist. He was also forced to support himself largely through the, quote, revision or ghostwriting of other people's stories, poetry and non-fiction works. Mm. But money was very tight and Lovecraft eked out every single penny, eating terribly. He would brag that he could live off a loaf of bread and a can of beans for a whole week. No. Dave, I reckon no, you could you. do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dave. It sounds fantastic. 
<laughs> Have I got a toaster? I'm happy. What's the problem? He sometimes went without food to be able to pay the cost of mailing his letters. So this is obviously not great for your health. No. One of his closest letter correspondents, who I mentioned before, Robert E. Howard, the Conan creator, committed suicide in 1936 and Lovecraft was devastated by the loss. So depressed, he also found his health was deteriorating and he was in tremendous pain. Mm. He referred to this pain as the grip in his letters and his diaries, but really he was experiencing stomach pain But because of his fear of doctors, he just soldiered on. He didn't consult anyone. Finally, the pain got too much even for him and he went and saw a doctor. But by that time, it was too late. He's diagnosed with terminal cancer of the small (gasps) intestine. Oh, no. He spent the last month of his life in hospital, keeping a diary of his illness until he was no longer able to hold a pen. So even right up until the end, he was documenting, writing letters, keeping a diary. But sadly, he died on March 15th, 1937, at the age of only 46. Wow. 1937, wow. Mm. And at the time of his death, he was virtually unknown. Lovecraft was never able to even pay for basic expenses by selling his stories. Yeah, right. But how are we sitting here talking about him all these years later? A few years after he died, the New Yorker critic Edmund Wilson wrote bluntly, Lovecraft was not a good writer. The only real horror in most of these fictions is the horror of bad art and bad taste. What a takedown. But not everyone agreed. He left behind some 70 stories and thousands and thousands of letters and also some devoted friends and colleagues, including August Derleth, who I mentioned before, who in 1939, a few years after his friend's passing, co-founded Arkham House Publishing with Donald Wondre. You might recognise the name Arkham Asylum from Batman. Well, in the 70s, they took that from a city in Lovecraft stories. Ah. Yeah. And how do you get famous enough to influence Batman? Well, Derleth co-founded Arkham to put out hard copies of his friend and mentor Lovecraft's work. Sadly, they didn't immediately take off. And this is when he got that terrible review from the New Yorker I just read out. But August Derleth was committed and at great personal expense continued to publish Lovecraft stories, both in English and in other languages. Wow. This is when they really took off. The French translations proved to be a huge hit. You know, sometimes you have to make it overseas before your home country will take you seriously. Well, Mm. this is what happened. Lovecraft was so big overseas, his stories were re-released in the USA in the late 60s and early 70s, which at the time was going through a fascination with horror movies. Rosemary's Baby, Night of the Living Dead and The Exorcist were all huge hits around this time. So people were suddenly fascinated with horror, people that had never read horror stuff before, and he just happened to be, you know, hitting the shelves at that time. And Perfect. And he grew a big following in America as well. That's awesome. Horror was in vogue and Lovecraft's home nation was finally ready to dive into the Cthulhu mythos, the term that had been coined by publisher August Derleth to describe the fictional universe. His legend grew and grew and he found himself with legions of fans that he'd never known in his lifetime. By 1977, a crew of devotees had raised money to buy the author a proper headstone in the Lovecraft family plot in Providence, a now iconic gravestone inscribed with a quote from one of his letters, which it says in capital letters, I am Providence, which is (laughs) a pretty sick thing to have on your grave. (laughs) Be even better if he wasn't buried in Providence. (laughs) It's like, that's out of context. I am Queens Boulevard. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. <laughs> oh, good on you. <laughs> All right. I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, so since his death, Howard Phillips Lovecraft has been unbelievably influential in popular culture. 
His influence is felt in nearly every art form, music, TV, stage, film, radio, video games, and, of course, writing. Wow. He even has a sub-genre of horror named after him called Lovecraftian horror. Uh. Yeah, that's I'm, cool. I'm, I reckon I've heard of these sort of things without really ever understanding what it meant. Oh, yeah. I'm about to read out some things that reference his stuff and you'll be like, ah, I get that. Okay. So the great, you know, the great Stephen King, horror titan, said in 1995, now that time has given us some perspective on his work, I think it is beyond doubt that H.P. Lovecraft has yet to be surpassed as the 20th century's greatest practitioner of the classic horror tale. Wow. Lovecraft opened the way for me as he had done for others before me. It is his shadow so long and gaunt and his eyes so dark and puritanical which overlie almost all of the important horror fiction that has come since. No kidding. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, huge. It's great because he died like not knowing any of this, which is obviously, uh, you know, (laughs) upsetting in a way. Yeah. He's like the the poster boy of the tortured artist who really thought he failed. There has to be some sort of karma for being a racist fuckhead, right? Maybe this yes. is his penance. <laughs> yeah. Well, when he died, I'm sure he hardly could have imagined that the items his characters would be featured on would be board games, role-playing games, coins, T-shirts, computer games, apps, movies, bumper stickers, toys, posters, collectibles, and so he much more. He would have been, if he you knew that his stuff was going to end up being used for ga- uh, video games, he would have been confused. What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? But you can name any any... Any piece of uh, memorabilia, there's a Cthulhu on it. There's a bar in New York City called Lovecraft. There are Lovecraft festivals held in Stockholm, Lyon, Portland and Providence, his hometown. Despite not finishing high school and making it to Brown University like he planned, Brown University now has an endowed fellowship for research relating to H.P. Lovecraft, his associates and literary heirs. So they, yeah, they give grants to people to do research on it. And this is a university that he, you know, wasn't seen as good enough to get into wow. at the time. And we come to the Metallica song, The Call of Cthulhu. And it's not surprising that you say Cthulhu, Matt, because it's actually spelled differently. Oh, right. Okay. So it comes from their second album, Ride the Lightning, and it's inspired by the, the story The Call of Cthulhu by H.P. Lovecraft, according to songfacts.com. In the book, the story says that Mentioning the name Cthulhu, verbally or written, will bring him closer. Obviously something you don't want this monster to come close. So that's why Metallica used the name Cthulhu, spelled K-T-U-L-U, and not Cthulhu, K-T-H-U-L-H-U, for fear of the beast. (laughs) Wow. So there you go. That's cool. That's really interesting. They are obviously fans if they're getting that And it's also an instrumental, so they're not saying it either. Yeah, they don't want to say, I'm afraid that I've said it many times on this episode. Oh, Dave, not again. Jess, you're going to have grapefruits coming closer to you now. Yeah. <laughs> no! They're so sour. Oh. oh, I know. Every time I'm at a hotel buffet, I'm like, maybe grape juice is for me now. I always pour it out. It tastes awful. Yeah, I I don't get it. It's Apparently good. it's good for you. I don't think it can be good enough for you to overcome that taste. Awful, awful taste. I prefer a lemon. A lemon juice would be better than grapefruit juice for some reason. Don't mind yeah. lemon juice I don't, at why? all. It's just, I don't know, it's grosser than lemon juice. It's not the sourness. Something else. Yeah. It's bitter. Tastes like, tastes like when I've spewed up everything I've got. So I, it's just boiled. It's just That's bile. what it tastes like. Yeah. But it's good for you. <laughs> I guess bile is good for you too. Doesn't mean I'm going to eat bile. your bile. 
Anyway, what a, what uh, a tasty way Meta- to finish. Yeah. Well, staying with Metallica, did you know this? Um, his work also inspired their song on the next album, The Thing That Should Not Be. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't. That's my That's least favourite song on Master of Puppets. <laughs> <laughs> Damn well, they, you, HP. HP <laughs> <laughs> um, Lovecraft is featured on The Simpsons Treehouse of Horror 24. Okay, so when we're still so we watching, get a Simpsons, for sure. Yeah, I know. I've got to get a Simpsons reference in there, but I obviously have no idea because I've never seen up until that. Don't season. worry, I, I mentioned <laughs> uh, Kirk Van Houten earlier, and uh, something oh, good else work. As well, I'm pretty sure I slid in. When I looked up, the Cthulhu's also been depicted multiple times uh, on the Simpsons, but not never during the glory years. Right. So you wouldn't recognize him from that. He, uh, they, Cthulhu appeared in an episode of South Park and killed Justin Bieber. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Cthulhu was also seen in the Rick and Morty opening credits. Ah. Why? Like a tentacle yeah, right. thing. Do you that's ever the, see that? That's the ah. thing that shall not be named by me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too late. We got you on tape. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, in, and I've got to tell you, his influences felt far and wide. In 2015, a region of Pluto was named after Cthulhu. Wow. <laughs> in many of Lovecraft's stories, particularly The Whisperer in Darkness, the trans-Neptunian planet, Yugoth, is implied to be the same as Pluto, which was discovered around the time Lovecraft was writing these stories. Yeah. Mm. There you go. Um, another one for you, Matt. Black Sabbath's album Behind the Wall of Sleep is named after a Lovecraft short story. Right. Behind the Wall of Sleep? Yeah. So the, and hmm. these so these are all, all came after he rose to prominence. No one got in, you know, before he was cool sort of thing. No. I don't think so. So, sort of sixties yeah. and seventies, and yeah, Black Sabbath would have. They would have been just as he was rising. Hmm. Uh, the twenty fifteen World Fantasy Award trophy bears his likeness, but the bus was retired following that year amidst complaints about Lovecraft's history of racism. Okay, so, fair enough. So, sadly, this is also a part of his legacy that many fans have to grapple with. And there's also every time the the Road Island uh, f- Festival comes up. There is talk again. You know, I read saw quite a few articles of people talking about his legacy. Like, yeah, we're celebrating this writer, but he had these views. But like, you know, like many talented artists and creators with a controversial past, it's I think it's probably a personal question. But can you separate art from the artist? Yeah, it's a hard one. It's really difficult. Mm. But anyway, that's the weird and very controversial life of Howard Phillips Lovecraft and the Cthulhu Mythos. I knew absolutely nothing. To be honest, neither did I. So, well done, Dave. Yeah. That was great. What an interesting and and weird and yeah, yeah, and, confusing and very. <laughs> times. You know, obviously his, his views are absolutely horrendous. But he also, I do feel sorry for the life that he led. It did not sound like he had a good time yeah, ever. Doesn't it? It just yeah. It'd be great for us to do a story from the late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds that isn't grim. It feels like it's always so grim. Was everything maybe just yeah, grim? That, then? Yeah. <laughs> He was grim. He was real grim. Great work, Dave. Well, that is the kind of finish of block, but, yeah, we'll be covering it a bit more HP um, in the next book sheet. So keep your eyes peeled for that and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be tweeting about it, Instagramming about it, that kind of stuff. Also, there's Ooh. a fun – and if people are listening in the future, what number episode will it be on book sheet? Oh, you look that up while I say so- we've, we've just had a bit of a fun idea inspired in the – Patreon Facebook group that um, we might do a second block uh, six months from now. We'll call it, uh, you know, Blockmas in April or whatever. From <laughs> it's borrowing from Christmas in July, 
and maybe we'll we'll either do the topics that just missed out or maybe we'll more likely probably just do another vote and um maybe make it a biannual thing because I, I really enjoy doing the block doing the big topics so why wait 12 months when we can do i may maybe we'll need to think of another name for it april actually is a it's a big uh, primates month because we do all the big ape topics then but uh Oh, right, of course. We don't want to steal it. I think uh, I think it also uh, primates will be on probably a hiatus at that point anyway. But maybe yeah, maybe that's what, maybe it can be called something like it's April, it's like the the big King Kong t- level topics, the big monster topics. Monster month? Mm. What about Monster March? The Monster, monster month. month. They did the Monster Month. Monster <laughs> Month. The Monster Month. The Monster March is good. Mm. Like that. So something to think about. Give us some suggestions. We can, we can brainstorm. Yeah. We can brainstorm. We'll have a crack. And uh, in answer to your question, Matt, it will be episode 49 of 49. Go 49ers. Uh, Leveled up the ledger at three and three now. Still holding faint hope to go back uh, into the pointy end of the season after failing in the Super Bowl earlier in the year. I followed all of yeah. that sentence. You're quite loquacious. <laughs> I'm such a I'm such an NFL noob that uh, people would be like, uh, that lingo is way off. I did when I explained <laughs> um, what a rush what rushing was in football, someone mentioned that listening to that hurt their head. Okay. Is that because they are a fan no, or they're not they a fan a and they're fan. trying to follow it? Oh, okay. Bugger, that sucks. <laughs> Matt, that's what you get for trying. Never know, do you it again. Just stay in your lane. Yeah, don't bother. Got similar feedback. <laughs> don't bother trying to expand your. Got a similar knowledge. feedback from don't cricket fans it. when I did that cricket explainer video. Like I'm trying to put it in the basic terms. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I do love that. Only this podcast uh, on this one episode can piss off sport fans, but also uh, nerdy horror fans all in one Thank episode. God. <laughs> That's right. The, we'll alienate all of you guys. Don't worry about it. We're the podcast that does it all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I tried. I tried on HP. Ah, We've got a few HP type listeners who do get in contact in rhyming couplets to let us know. How- yeah, that's right. That's the only form of criticism I now will we take. we disappointed them. <laughs> I was. I must say, last year one of the block topics was I did Dungeons and Dragons, and I was very worried about that because people take it quite seriously. It's a big part of many yeah. people's lives, and I'd never played or even really heard anything about it. And mm. uh, everyone was very nice, so I'm hoping for that again. Yeah, absolutely. And we've since played, so maybe you know, in the future we'll read HP Lovecraft. I don't like horror either because I'm a scaredy cat. Well, I'm going to read it this week. I have to for book cheat. So, I, I, and then you're going to yeah. tell me about it. Can yeah. we record? In, in like light hours. No, let's so do it I don't in have to night. Go to bed immediately By after candlelight. With Dave, Dave's favorite <laughs> shape in, in between us, the pentagram. No, that's the pentagon. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, we since we even played Dungeons and Dragons, it's a, there's a series of bonus episodes on our Patreon if you want to get involved with that. Patreon.com slash do go on pod. And we were going to mm. have done a second season of that by now, but because we're not allowed in the same rooms, we're holding off. But we'll get on to mm. that soon. We will do that again now, soon. probably, hopefully. Uh, anyway, that brings us to everyone's favourite section of the show, the fact, quote, or question section, which I think has a jingle that goes something like this. Fact, quote, or question. Always remembers the ding. And uh, the way to get involved in this is also going to the website, patreon.com slash to go on pod. 
And when you get involved there, you sign up to the Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe Memorial Edition level and you get to give us a fact of quarter a question. You also get multiple other bonus rewards. That's one of the higher levels. Um, on lower levels, you can also get three bonus episodes a month. You get shout-out uh, stuff. You get voting rights and all sorts of things. I was going to say, we've just got so many bonus episodes these days. And like I said at the, top, at the start, if you want a complete block, it was Action Park this month, which mm. was... Just did a report on the uh, absolutely fucked up, uh, was it also called Class Action Park? Is that the nickname, yep. Jess? Because it was like a, a theme park, a water park with so many weird injuries that were probably preventable. Um, but we had a good time absolutely. talking about it, didn't we? Yeah, it was a, it was a really interesting one to, to research and it's a, it's a pretty wild story. So, yeah, definitely get involved and check that one out. Uh, but on the fact, quote, or question level, you have to give yourself a title and also give us a fact, a quote or a question. And this week we've got one from Katie Murphy who's given herself the title of Podcast Head of Ethnomusicology. And Katie has given us a quote which is, Louis Armstrong popularised scat singing when he and his Hot Five released the song Heebie-Jeebies in 1926, the first commercial recording featuring scat. Armstrong tells a fanciful story of how he spearheaded the style by accident that musicologists and music historians suspect is probably embellished. But it's a good story, so they leave him be. He said, quote, so this is the quote, The day we recorded Heebie-Jeebies, I dropped the paper with the lyrics right in the middle of the tune, and I did not want to stop and spoil the record, which was moving along so wonderfully. So when I dropped the paper, I immediately turned back into the horn and started to scatten. Just as nothing had happened, <laughs> when I finished the record, I just knew the recording people would throw it out. And to my surprise, they all came running out of the controlling booth and said, leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good great. story. I like that. I'm still, I don't know what scat uh, is. Well, you think real big fish, uh, the mighty, mighty Boston's <laughs> ah, uh, oh, originating from uh, Jamaica. Uh, it was the first wave, then you had the second wave. And then uh, when I was in high school uh, with a chain wallet, obviously the third wave. Uh, and probably the fourth <laughs> wave when I was in high school with yeah, weed Yeah, obviously so. the fourth wave. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but that's kind, of, that's kind of what it is. And, yeah, I mean, sorry, I said it originated in Jamaica. Obviously, Louis Armstrong actually originated in 1926 in America. Yes. So then yeah. I went to Jamaica. Had its own thing, came back. They I took love off that. the T, added a K. Scat and scar, very confusing. <laughs> uh... New listeners will find that so infuriating and I apologise. Don't worry, we've been through it before. I've got to tell you, I think that uh, Katie may have known yeah, what she was doing there. So much, Thank you Katie. so much for yes. that. That's so close. Yes, she did. <laughs> Thanks, Katie. Uh, Thanks, Katie. The next one comes from Drew Forsberg, who's given himself the title of Junior Plutonian Space Person from Earth. Oh, that sounds... I mean, that's a reference to Back to the Future, Whoa. isn't it? But it's interesting, Plutonian, Pluto, you just mentioned it, Dave. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so Drew, because in Back to the Future, our man, Sidney Scheinberg, wanted to call Back to the Future Spaceman from Pluto. So I think that's a reference to that. <laughs> <laughs> and I reckon it would have been if a hit if they'd done it. That's that, all but... that was lacking. Um, but anyway, they should have listened and they didn't. Uh, so Drew yeah. has given us a quote as well, and here is his quote. A pair of identical twins were weighing themselves. Twin one weighed in at 60 kilograms on the dot. 
Twin 2 weighed in at 60.0106 kilograms. Twin 1 says to Twin 2, gee, that's a very slight difference. Just then, a tiny lizard-like amphibian crawled out of Twin 2's pants pocket and leapt off. The scale went down to 60 kilograms. Twin 2 replies, very slight. More like truly minute. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And that is a quote from... Drew Forsberg. <laughs> is, wow, is Drew, that's his great. own quote. Which was a very long, Drew, you a twin? long wind up for what I believe to be a pun. Dave? Is it well I absolutely pun confirmed, but also is it possible that Drew is a twin and this is a you know a bit of biographical well, stuff going so, on? Yeah. I mean it is his he's quoting himself. Oh. It's a big, it's a big swing to quote yourself, um, and it paid off. You know, got es- a good laugh, especially when the person reading it hasn't read it before and didn't know that I was. You know, yeah. like I was lucky that I got it out in one go and didn't fuck up the momentum. Um, uh, Drew's got a PS here. He said, "I thought of that one over ten years ago and still haven't come up with a better <laughs> joke," which makes me feel kind of sad. I switched the weight to kilos for y'all because I'm used to pounds and Thank didn't you. want to confuse. Also, looked up what a newt weighs. <laughs> so that's a... Oh, that's <laughs> wow. A, oh, wow. It's an accurate joke. They are tiny. Uh, Love He that. said, also, sorry for the punchline being a homophone, Matt. Hopefully Jess and Dave enjoyed it or hated it. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> Did enjoy work, that very Drew. much. Homophone. So it was a homophone a pun. Good job, Drew. No. No. So it wasn't a pun, it was a homophone. Well, it's still a play on words, mm, isn't it? This is going to annoy people as much as the scar and scat thing. Uh, if they're listening this long, I don't yeah, think that's it's true. going to annoy them. Only the good, only the good ones <laughs> stay this long. Uh, thank you so much, Drew. That was great stuff. Um, and, you know, if, if that's all you do in your whole life, I still think it's, it was a life worth living. So don't worry that you haven't yeah. topped it in yeah, 10 right. years. Uh, I think you'll see Dave using that next time he does crowd warm-up at the project. <laughs> yeah. So I was weighing myself <laughs> with my twin brother the other day. <laughs> 60 on the dot. Would you believe it? Dave's going to add a little bit of his own colour. <laughs> yeah. And then with, Would you believe it? Would you believe it? Oh, my God. You wouldn't read about okay, it. Okay. Here we, here we doing tonight. Okay. Uh-huh. I'll check one, two. <laughs> the next one comes from Nesta Guaro. 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 Dave, can you say it again? Because I. Nesta Giharo. Nesta Giharo. On your Nesta, you bloody legend. Uh, Nesta writes, or Nesta's called himself first, chief consultant of cryptozoology of the pod and the universe. Whoa. I love, your hands I love full. when titles specify two things and one of them is clearly included in the second thing, but they keep it separate anyway. Like there's. What? Is there a. Um, there's a music festival in Australia called the I think it's the Melbourne Blues and Music Festival. I think I reckon music <laughs> probably covers blues off there. Just say Melbourne Music Festival. Much like, I, reckon. I don't know. Maybe it's somewhere else. It might not be Melbourne, but yeah. Um, and there's a, a similar to Nesta being the uh, chief consultant of cryptozoology of the pod and the universe. <laughs> and the universe. <laughs> uh, Nesta's given us a fact. Uh, he says, first and foremost, how are all of you? Not too bad, thank you, Nesta. 
I'm Hopefully, good. Thank you. You're all right. I'm as good. Well. Thanks. Uh, my entry is a fact and a paraphrase and a paraphrased quote without any question about it. Quote, an alligator, snake, and a stingray are basically all neck. From the one and only <laughs> David James, Golden Tonsils, Tiny Tush, Christmas, Elf, Not a Nazi or Sympathizer, Warnicky. That was from one of our first ever live episodes. Yeah, it's the stingray, I would say, is all head. But I'm with you on alligator and snake <laughs> being all neck. Yeah. A stingray's all, all face. Neck. Yeah, yeah one they're big all floppy face. face. And then the underneath is just like, it's like a, it's like all belly, Yeah, but isn't that where their mouth is on the underneath? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they've got like a little slit mouth that sucks you stuff see, up. see, picture of like having to walk up on land and pretend to be like a human or whatever. They're <laughs> just sort of like holding themselves up <laughs> they're all floppy. That'd be a bit of fun. I think I'm stealing a bit from Toy Story 3 or something where a Mr. Potato Head has to put his eyes and nose and everything into a into a, a bloody what do you call it? a round piece of bread that they use for a burrito tortilla, tortilla. tortilla. thank you oh my god <laughs> round piece of bread I was thinking does it mean a roll <laughs> uh, uh, finally this one comes from Siraj uh, Pyrrhus he's written Siraj brackets not fussed about the Pyrrhus just don't call me Suraj <laughs> You got it, Siraj. You got it, Siraj. Pyrrhus. I reckon I'm finally getting that pronunciation right. Siraj writes, uh, a quote, self-education is, and this is interesting again, the timing of this, because our topic was self-educated. Yeah, uh, totally. Self-education is, I firmly believe, the only kind of education there is. The only function of a school is to make self-education easier. Failing that, it does nothing. And that's a quote from Isaac Asimov. Good quote. Hmm. Oh, that's another sci-fi oh, writer. there you go. That's interesting. I wonder if he's a Lovecraft fan. I mean, uh, sorry, I just want to say I came across, I didn't know, the uh, an autodidact is the name of someone who is a self, self-educator. Ah. Autodidact. Yeah. I like that. Well, that brings us to the section where we thank a few other patrons. Jess normally gives us a little game to play based on the topic. I'm struggling a bit this week because I can't. We can make him a monster. Make them a because monster. each of because the Cthulhu Cthulhu was uh, octopus human with dragon wings. Yeah, fuck yeah, let's make. But we're not making them. No, and they are they not have the monster. One. We're giving them yeah. a monster that they either look after or befriend or whatever. Yeah. Wasn't there a show cartoon we we're talking about recently called My Friend the Monster or something? No, <laughs> I don't remember that one. When we we're talking about cartoons, it was something like that. Ah, uh, real monsters. That's what it was. I'm mixing that up with my <laughs> friend, the something else. Dino, the, the last dinosaur. Denver, the last. Anyway, whatever. Um, we'll give him a. We'll give him a monster. And can I also say I am what was going to be on their tombstone? Oh, great. Whatever, the, whatever their city is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. Right. Great. With a tombstone reading, "I am Thunder Bay," <laughs> from <laughs> Thunder Bay in Canada. It's David Chisholm. David Chisholm, I am Thunder Bay. <laughs> but Bay is spelled Bay, B-A-E. Yeah. Oh, Thunder, <laughs> Thunder Bay. Bay. I think our Thunder Bay is half warthog. This, this is his monster. Half warthog, half butterfly, so the wings on a warthog. Oh, oh. And then the tail of a lion. So I'm, so I'm guessing it's not strictly half. Mm. No. <laughs> it is. 
With the tail of a lion. That's okay. cool. That's so it's it's a warthog that can fly right. with the tail yeah. of a lion. Oh wow. Okay. What's what's purpose does the tail serve? Well, have you seen a lion's tail? They look awesome. Yeah, I have. So it's a They aesthetic. flop away flies, much like a yeah. warthog's right. tail. Yes. Or, yeah, yeah, but it's okay. just like a way better tail. Yeah. And the yep. butterfly wings, are they going to be strong enough to carry the weight <laughs> yeah. of a warthog? They're very big, it, I'm imagining. It is to scale. Like, they're huge. Oh, okay. okay. Are they bright coloured or are they like those gross little white flappy moths? Oh, no, things? they don't look – they're not dusty. They're coloured. They're and beautiful. Oh, does this blue warthog and green. thing form in a cocoon? Yeah, yeah. That was a freaky, freaky day for everyone. That's a, that's a big cocoon. Oh, it's also got the teeth of a human. <laughs> Oh, oh my god! <laughs> That's yeah. the worst thing about we... it by far. Don't do that, Dave. That's not going to be that helpful in the wild. You think either. the warthog no. wants its own teeth? The, the things that make them a warthog are those big tusks. Well, I mean, unfortunately, they were removed and replaced with false teeth, um, but they only had human ones available. False so. teeth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, David, so right, sorry. Well, we're off to a strong so sorry start. Sorry about what Dave's done <laughs> for you there. Uh, I am Newport. In New South Wales, <laughs> Australia, Will Seal. Oh, Will, Will Seal. Seal. I can't think of any animals. Um, <laughs> maybe like Will. I've got one. I've got one. I've got one. Okay. So Will is half dolphin. Oh, wow. That's good. I'm glad the you half got that. that yep. enjoys burning. Yeah. <laughs> the bottom half. <laughs> and half. Mm, what goes with a dolphin? Uh, well, if you're going with Dave's rules, you don't want to go with something that goes with a dolphin. You want yeah, to pick something right. stupid. So it's half dolphin, half pelican. Oh. Yes. Oh, so that's it's a dolphin good. with a big gullet? Yeah. <laughs> this is a monster. <laughs> and uh, human legs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real that's mess. That's so good. Honestly, these, these are. These are Awful fucked creatures. Well, horror. Making. I mean, this is a horror genre, so exactly they're horrifying. Yeah, enjoy right. that wheel seal, or wheel. <laughs> yeah, I reckon it's seal with an e at the end. I think that still would be seal, seal a yeah. maybe. Wheel seal a. Seal a. And finally, I am Cardiff South, New South Wales, <laughs> Australia. Kiana <laughs> Reed. Kiana Reed. Okay, let's see. Crocodile. Yep. Um. So the main part is crocodile. But it's got yep. uh, a rhinoceros horn. Ooh. And that's cool. Uh, and also um, a bat wing. So it can glide like a sugar glider. So I can. And it's got, it's got the legs of a bald eagle. Legs of a bald eagle. <laughs> like little, little claws. Yeah, little bald eagle legs. It can <laughs> uh, float down from trees. Imagine seeing a crocodile with a horn. Slowly circling down above you when you're out camping or something. So it can really only glide if it like throws itself off a cliff yeah. or something. And then how does it? Because it can't get up a cliff, can it? With eagle it can't get legs, up a tree. it's got one chance. It starts at the highest point of a mountain and it lives its life slowly heading down, heading south. It glides once in its life to mate. That's a mating season. It's, wow. Yeah, I like those animals or those flowers that just bloom once or. Do that one big thing once. That's that's kind of cool. Uh, mm. Is that all? I, I think three people. Is that right? Yeah. So thank you so much yeah. to David, Will, and Kiana. Can I thank Kiana. a few beautiful people? Please, please. I am West Sacramento <laughs> in California. I would like to thank Claire Norris. Claire Norris. Uh, Claire Norris, obviously 
has the head of a woodchuck. Oh, okay. Chuck like Norris. Chuck like Chuck Norris. <laughs> and, and the body of Chuck Norris. <laughs> uh. And the tail of a lion. Oh, that's cool. This is a, that's a pretty badass one. They're cute. Ta- they're cool tails, a little puff on mm. the end. Yeah, and the sex good. drive like of a dolphin. <laughs> <laughs> is that even true? I just The only thing I really know about dolphins is supposedly they're the only other animals that mate for pleasure. Humans don't, do we? <laughs> I oh, um, don't. Yeah. Good heavens. Heavens, no. Look forward to that page on your website being written, Jess. <laughs> she read all the books but just could not get her head around it. Could not figure it out. <laughs> oh the poor guy couldn't even talk about sex, you're right, and then there's an article about his, uh, his sex life. Poor dude. Yeah, I don't know why that's all that relevant but. Good on him. I only brought it up because it made me laugh that someone else yeah, had written about it. <laughs> very funny. Um, I would also now like to thank I am Brighton from England. It is it's Mr. Heggy. Oh, Mr. Heggy. Oh, Mr. Oh, cool. Heggy. The official tattooist to the stars. Okay, I don't think I, I knew Mr. Heggy was a, a Patreon supporter. That's cool. I don't think I knew that either. That's awesome. Hello, Mr. Heggy. I know that he's a Patreon supporter because he listens to Phrasing the Bar and he's even given us some artwork. Oh, oh yeah. Of course. For, for Phrasing the Bar, which we're going to use on our new website. Thank you so much, Mr. Heggy. If you don't know, if you want to follow, what well, it's one of my favourite Instagram accounts. It is uh, Mr. Heggy, who is a, a, a tattooist and also a cartoonist, mm. an artist, um, does very, very funny uh, tattoos Really, really cute stuff. And also, yeah, just travels the world doing them. Unfortunately, he was going to be in Australia at the start of the year and in Melbourne, but uh, it just didn't quite work out because we would have loved to have met up with him and uh, gotten some he, Yeah, I think he was going to yeah. – I think we talked ages ago about him giving me a – in his style, obviously, of a Caesar from Planet of the Apes with the Apes Together Strong or something like that. Oh, or like a, cool. I want to get all that or like a – uh, a saint, 1966, a good year or something on it. Good fun. Just good a bit fun. of fun for yeah. once. Like we used to do yeah. in the oh, pre-COVID world. We haven't given world. Mr. Heggy a monster. I don't, yeah, but a monster. What about it's half Caesar from Planet of the Apes. With, ain't, but it with has saint wings. Saint wings and then the head of a penguin. Oh. An emperor penguin. I love penguin. penguins. I reckon they're one of the coolest. They're such My great animals. Bird, one I of the best. All right. Yeah, top two, Top three birds. Sick. Oh, if I was going to do a Mount Rushmore of bird heads, penguin <laughs> Thomas Jefferson, penguin head first, kookaburra, uh, mm. George Jetson, and uh, no, what George Jefferson? Sorry, and um, <laughs> still not right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I can't think of any other cool birds. Maybe a pelican. What about? Are there? I I love I love a pelican. I love. Uh, Toucan oh, is another famous one. Oh, toucans are great. Oh, yeah, bird. toucans are cool. I love, but I love really small ones like willy wagtails oh, yeah. or, oh, or wagtail. even spa- even like a rosella because they've got like the yeah. smaller parrot, sort of parrot cute beak. little beak. Oh, parrots yeah. are even you know. A oh, macaws are good. Yeah, what about great. the blue uh, blue fairy wren? Wrens are great. Love a wren. Oh, yeah, which is more kind of what Dave's talking about. The little little guys. Yeah, I even just like just the common cafe sparrow. I love a little sparrow. They're so tiny. They're so and, they tiny. Go, hop, 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 and then they hop, just hop. dive in, grab a crumb and keep going. It's just like good That's on you. That's funny. I thought I love didn't them. like birds. I love birds. I think I might love birds. I love them. Owls are cute too. Yeah, owls are pretty I love owls. Some owls can be real freaky but. Yeah, some of them are very yeah. pretty. And I'm not about no, looks. not their value. I'm just saying 
Some of them are very cute, but they're also just a beautiful, fun, fun bird. bird. Oh, what a fun time! Apparently, bird. they're actually. A... <laughs> That's a bird you can hang apparently out with. Apparently, owls aren't that smart, too. You know how you always Wise think, like. Owl. Yeah, apparently they're not very bright. Mm. But I don't know. That, I, I'm, that's they second or third hat information. They are good fun. They are fun. They're, they're, they're fun. a fun I think bird. people think they're smart because they've got big eyes. But, um, mm. yeah, they're not. We've learned from Dave. It's <laughs> not always the case. <laughs> I was about to jump in and say that's how I fooled them. Um, <laughs> Anya, Mr. Heggy, thanks so much for your support and keep doing those awesome tattoos. <laughs> He's like, he was just about to throw in the towel. <laughs> and Dave yeah. said, keep doing it. all right. You know what? I will. <laughs> yeah, I reckon I will. <laughs> Huh. I'm inspirational, people. Uh, I would like to thank now, and I would like to also thank I am Tenmouth <laughs> from Devon. It is Alexander Mallon. Oh, well, we know that Alexander does his scones in the right order. Cream oh, okay. and jam, so, the Devonshire way. So you're saying that the bottom half of Alexander is cream? <laughs> what? It doesn't then, have to be animals? <laughs> <laughs> Anything no. All right, He's, great. Bottom is cream. Then what else has he got? A clotted cream. A thick clotted <laughs> cream. Bottom. Uh, His bottom He's got a is cream. He's got the creamy bottom. Legs of a polar bear, so that yeah. matches, you know, a bit of uh-huh. white. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, what's something sort of a jammy, red jammy colour from there? Maybe like a red crested, one of those red crested mm. birds. <laughs> yeah. Can't think of A red crested yeah. bird. And then But on polar bear. Yeah, legs. that's cool. Like a real puffy, feathery red chest, like a red robin, maybe, but only big. And yeah. then the head yeah. of nothing goes on top of the jam though. Um more jam. Uh, another red thing. Maybe then at the head of a, a just like a like a real posh English person who has scones yeah. with jam and cream often. Wearing a oh, top hat. Yeah. Oh, like like Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen drinking a cup of Ian tea. Ian McKellen's head with the top yeah. hat. And like a, you know how birds have a certain sound, like a, a call that they make. This one just goes, I, I say. say. <laughs> over and over again. That's great. Yeah. That's how you if, you, if you, if you, you know, just take a moment, just go quiet and listen, you will hear in the distance. I say. I say. Oh, the mating call. I say. I say. Oh, I say. I say. I say. Wow. Alexander Mellon. Please you know enjoy. how they sometimes, like, some animals will, like, do a display. The male will do a display. What they do is they um, put down a picnic rug, have a wicker basket, <laughs> and a little tea oh, set. That's I nice. Say, I say. I say. I say. And they strut around it. Oh, I say. I'm going, I say. I say. I say. I say. Oh, I say. <laughs> it's very yeah, horny. That is a horny bird, man. <laughs> polar bear. <laughs> Yeah, good luck to uh, Alexander for uh, controlling that one. <laughs> Is it my turn or are you still, have you still got one? Uh, no, that's three from Dave, so over to you, Boppa. Ah, my turn. Well, no, oh, yes, okay. I would love to thank on their tombstone, obviously, I am New Farm. Oh, I love New Farm. <laughs> In Queensland. I'd love to thank Murray Somerville. Okay. Fuck, that's a great New, name. Murray New Farm Somerville. is such a great spot. In that's where mm. like the Brisbane Comedy Festival and stuff is. Lovely spot. All right. What do you think for for Murray? Head of a Murray cod. Well, mm-hmm. that is. Uh, well, does it need to always be underwater? So is it in like a fish yeah. tank? So got a fish tank. Yeah. Helmet. Yeah, yeah. Because the body is the body of a tiger. Oh. Right. But then um, <laughs> the legs of an emu. <laughs> 
Wow, that's a fucked looking creature. It's hard to stay upright. I'd love if anyone has the skills to put any of these down on paper, I'd love to see it. I thought that initially and then as we've gone on and they've gotten much, much worse, I'm thinking this is going to be difficult because that that creature you've just described, Dave, is very middle heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Skinny little legs, small head, massive body. This animal never skips leg day, got to. You can't. Wow. Okay. Murray well, enjoy that, Somerville. Murray. Great name. Murray Somerville. Uh, I would also love to thank from I Am Sheffield <laughs> in Great Britain. Mr. Sheffield. Hey, in this, so that means in the in the few that we've done today, two of the places are Brighton, Sheffield. Oh yeah! Well, Can from you the believe Sheffield it? Part, I'd love to thank <laughs> Kathleen Toman. Kathleen Toman. Kathleen Toman. All right. All right. I think uh, obviously we're talking a woolly mammoth body. Oh, nice uh-huh. big body, Obvious. which you I love. love a big obviously, animal. I love a big-headed animal, but that normally goes with a big-bodied mm-hmm. animal. <laughs> uh, head of a like a cat, but it's really big. Yeah, obviously, it's the same size. So like a like a lion, like I'm, a big like cat. a sphinx. Oh, I was thinking like domestic cat, or but yeah, like maybe let's go cat, tiger but really head. Really big. <gasps> saber tooth tiger. Saber tooth. Yes. Oh, that's big great. Saber tooth tiger head. Body of a woolly mammoth. What are its legs, Dave? <laughs> what about another extinct animal? Legs of like a stegosaurus. Oh yeah, great. Oh, yeah. okay. So sort of that reptilian but thick yeah. leg. Yeah. Thick and four animal. of them, so it can, it can stay upright. Yeah. Love a thick leg. Yeah. <laughs> I love a thick leg. Love a thick leg. That's awesome. That's, Kathleen, Maybe that's the best one so far. Yeah, that's badass. Oh. That, you don't want to meet that no. one. That's terrifying. But if you, if you control it, obviously, well, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> not a good for you. Well played. Huh? <laughs> hey. um, and finally... Bringing it home, I would love to thank. I am unknown. <laughs> what? That's what it's going to say on my tombstone as this... well. <laughs> None of you ever knew me. Uh, we don't know where this person was from. We don't even fully know their name. All we have here is DH. Ooh, DH. Oh. I mean, you're assuming that's not dickhead, but right? What do you think when you think uh, DH? Well, I think of a creature with a dick <laughs> for a head. <laughs> Kind of like a woolly mammoth body. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. So one big what? What can we talking? Human dick? A human yeah. dickhead? Like big for a human, but on a very big body. So it is actually right. out of proportion. Okay, so this is a little floppy dick coming out the neck so of a huge like... woolly mammoth. Maybe not woolly mammoth because you've done that. I'll go a more modern version okay. of an elephant. Right. So is it instead of a trunk? It is just a dick. Oh, dick face. Yeah. Okay, that yeah, that's pretty good. All right, so on, and I think, well, can we go a proboscis monkey head? Because they've already got basically mm-hmm. a dick nose, but instead of their dick nose, yeah. it's a human, it's a human dick. It's a human dick. Yeah. Uh, have you heard the term abomination? <laughs> I think we've just created one. <laughs> I think we've created a few today. Yeah, that's to be true. Fair, I think all of these does, have been. Does seem particularly bad. <laughs> um, but what kind of legs? Dave, oh, you're, the, okay. you're our leg man. I'm yeah, the leg man, okay. We know, we know your personalised number plate says leg man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think of one, a good one that we haven't done. What, legs of a camel. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay, camel yeah. Because yeah, they can hold up something. Yeah. Yeah, they can hold up something. They can hold up their end of the bargain for sure. Yeah. Thank you so much, DH. DH, wherever you are in the world, we love you. 
We appreciate your support over the last year and, uh, well, year and a bit, uh, as well as Kathleen, Murray, Alexander, Mr. Heggie, Claire, Kayana, Will, and David. Thank you so much, all of you, for your support. The only thing we've got left to do is bring in a few people into our Triptych Club. Mm. Jess, you explain what that is? Yeah, so um, for people who support us on Patreon for three consecutive years, we have what I like to imagine as a um, like an airport lounge, you know? So we have, <laughs> uh, we have drinks and canapes and a band plays there and there's sleeping pods out the back and we've got everything you could possibly need. We've got it there. And so Matt uh, stands at the door. Lifts up the velvet rope for you. I'll be behind the bar making you a drink, and Dave's just rushing around making sure the band has everything they need. That's right. Yeah. And it's a place you can pop into whenever you need it. Once you're of a course. member, you get uh, the special portal machine mm-hmm. thing, and you just walk through wherever you are in the world. You can pop in, pop out wherever you need to. Yeah, you can stay as long as you like. Mm. Um, but yeah, pop it. You know, it's it's totally up to you. We're very cool about it. So there are three inductees this week. Uh, what is in on offer for drinks and nibblies? We will be having a special HP Lovecraft cocktail, which is vodka and brown sauce. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow! And Yum. it's pretty bad. It's pretty and bad. And the brown honest. sauce just sits at the top. I imagine. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't get it to mix like a like a Bloody Mary for some reason. Um, but you, you can have it if you want okay. to. And uh, canapes-wise, well, it is um, grand final day at the time of recording. Um, so we're just going to have a bunch of like party pies and sausage rolls mm. and some little veggie pasties and just everything I can shove in the oven oh, for a bit. Jess, you know what? You've just made me want to go and buy. I'm going to the shops and getting a little pack of frozen. That's literally my yeah. plan for the oh, day. Oh, that's yes. a great <laughs> idea. Thank you. Footy food. Love that. Yeah. And Dave, who's playing? Who's entertaining this week? Who's the house uh, band? Entertaining this week. It's amazing. We have got the uh, members of Metallica playing exclusively their HP Lovecraft songs. <laughs> just wow. the two tracks. Well, apparently there's another one on uh, their more recent album, Hardwired to Self-Destruction. Is that mm-hmm. what it's called? Dest- destruct. To Self-Destruct. And that song is called Dream No More. So we've got three songs on repeat, The Call of Cthulhu, The Thing That Should Not Be, and, of course, Dream No More. Luckily they're all longish. Those three songs together probably go for about 25 minutes. Fantastic. Oh, oh maybe not quite that long, but still. Uh, awesome. All right. That that is exciting. So is it the current lineup of Metallica? Uh yeah. Sick. All right, great. Yeah, I was thinking about it, but then I think Kirk Hammett is a big horror fan. So that's I may, maybe he's the connection why. Mm. Yeah, I think that he may have written the song when I was looking at the, at least the Cthulhu track. Right. I, think. I feel like Cliff Burton might have been involved in one of those early ones too, but uh might be wrong. Anyhow, um that is that is cool to be get see Metallica play in such close quarters. It will be yeah, even show. if it is only three songs over and over. Yeah, and one of those I don't really like, but um, and the other one's instrumental. But I, that is a cool instrumental track. Anyway, it, it, that one-off Master of Puppets, the thing that should not be, is a very popular song. I reckon there'll be Metallica heads going, "You're a fuckhead, Matt." But I stand <laughs> by it. I make no apologies for it. I'm sorry for that. Uh, so. The three inductees this week, and Dave, I'll, I'll read them out. Dave hypes them up, and then Jess hypes up Dave's hype work. Yeah. Thank okay. you. Okay, firstly, from, oh, 
Great. What a great city name. From Firestone in, I think, Colorado in the United States, it's Sage Hoffman. Oh, Sage is on fire tonight. Yes. Well, I've got some Sage advice for you, Hoffman. <laughs> Matt, Just make yourself work. at home. No. Matt, don't, please don't try. <laughs> You're embarrassing yourself. Just read the names. Come on. Okay. Stick to the script, please. <laughs> is CO Colorado? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and from Hastings in Hawke's Bay, New Zealand, it's Amy Rainford. Well, let me say to you, Amy, I say. Yeah. Got a ha- Hastings. Hastings joke. Hastings, yeah, Hastings good. joke. That's good. Even though that's a Poirot joke, so hey, that's pretty good. Hey, Amy, let's not Rainford on your parade. Welcome in. Matt, seriously, shut the... Come on. Can we meet his mic? Dave's thing. Yeah. Come on. You are ruining the, re- the, the momentum. <laughs> Shit it. Come on. Uh, and finally, from Gaimia Bay in New South Wales, Australia, it's Shani Black. Oh, we're back in Shani Black tonight. Yes! Certainly. Woo! Matt, don't certainly not the don't black sheep the of this you? family. Stop it. Uh, oh, you stop are it now. my Gaimia Bay, Shani. Oh, God. Stop it. My God. Can we I edit this to out? ruin everything. Jess and I will go for another go. Come on, st- do it again. This is Dave's thing <laughs> and you have to just shit all over it. Pull your pants back up, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Quit shitting on Dave. Oh, my Sorry. God. I just uh, had a rush of blood to the like head. a big yeah. old dump on yeah, Dave. I'm drowning in how much shit you just put on me. <laughs> I think that brings us to the end of the episode. What Thank a, God. What a fun time it was. <laughs> Block, another big success this year. I thought it came to a great crescendo there with the double hype uh, for those Triptych Club members coming in. They got a little yeah. warm-up hype from Dave and then I really brought it home <laughs> with a super hype. And thankfully that will never be happening again. You'll be having a big talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're gonna. We have to have a meeting now. Uh, it is, of course, the, that's the end of block officially. But of course, the side projects keeps going, and that is our uh, next week. Don't forget to check out the book cheat episode with all three of us talking about the call of Cthulhu. And yeah, let us know if, uh, yeah, what if you had any thoughts about how we could do a, our secondary block. Uh, mm. Yeah, you can get in contact with us on our Patreon. Uh, at patreon.com slash do go on pod. If you're involved there, there's a Facebook group you get access to. But if if you're not involved in that, you can just get it onto us by do go on pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and do go on pod at gmail.com. Also got a website which will hopefully be updated soon at do go on pod.com. But yeah, that does bring us to the end of another block tastic month of episodes. And, um, yeah, we'll be doing some live streams coming up soon. Check the link of the description of this episode if you want to get more details on that. We cannot wait to do more live events. We've really missed it, even if it's just, Mm. you know, hanging out on a stage together, even if you can't be in the room with us. Yeah, they were really, really fun earlier in the year. So hoping hoping they'll be just as fun to round out 2020. Yes, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Dave, you just did it then, but... How about you do it for real now and boot this baby home? Woo! All right. Thank you so much for listening. And until next week, I'll say thank you and goodbye. Later. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.